Hello, I am Kimberly Hayes de Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to a special episode about anti-racism. We felt compelled to speak out and we felt compelled to let our listeners know that although we do a pretty good song together over Skype or any other platforms from time to time on our podcast, we don't always agree perfectly on every single issue and how to address it. And that's okay. What I want to do is sort of lay that out for you today and have us walk through some of the things that have been on our minds about how to speak out and how to go from just saying I'm not a racist to being anti-racist. And they're two different things. They really are. And I think it's important to talk about having a diversity in your life. Um, like Kimberly says, she and I don't always agree eye to eye on every issue, but that's a good thing. We are able to communicate and share our different beliefs and why we think the way we do. And we were able to have calm, kind, compassionate conversations because we value one another's friendship. And I just appreciate the fact that I have found such a great friend and co-host in Kimberly that we can have these conversations. And I hope that shows um, through all of our shows, but especially through our show today. So... Um, what we want to talk about is that as protests continue against the violence and racism that African Americans experience every day, um, Kimberly and I have been talking about what all is going on in between the recordings of our regular season, which we're in the middle of season three here. Um, and so we've been talking off air about a lot of what's going on and trying to think of ways that we can make a difference and help. And um, it hit me one night. So I called Kimberly and I said, you know, we've got some decent ideas and we're starting to have some good conversations, I feel like, and we need to share those and so let's do this. We've got a platform. I think we need to use it. Um, and I think it's important that we have an episode about what us as white people can do to help. And the reason is that Black lives matter. Yes, they do. They sure do. Black lives matter. But we both agree that we need to do something more than just say Black lives matter. And again, talking, we want to talk a little bit about the difference between not being racist and being anti-racist. And I would just have to say, and again, this is me, and Amanda may explain this differently. She's a lot nicer than I am usually. But the way that everything is now, and, and frankly, the way it's probably been since 1619, if you want to go back to the very beginnings of, of slavery in the United States, and that is, of course, uh, slavery being the things, the atrocities per, uh, uh, against people of color, African African Americans. Not we're not even delving into all the wrong done to Native Americans. Just want to set that straight. Today we're just we're focusing on Black Lives Matter, but also more importantly to say we're two middle-aged white ladies and here we are talking about this and you may be thinking well, what are you who are you to say anything and i would say who are you as a white person to stand by and stay silent who are you to do that so this is why we're here and this is also why i feel so strongly again it's like 
you know, Amanda's nicer than me. Let's just go out there and say it. And she also makes pies. So, you know, she, she might even entertain you, but I'm, I'm just, what? You make it sound like you're this horrible, crotchety old woman and you are so not that you. I would say middle-aged woman, crotchety middle-aged woman. I would say that. I would own that and I would say that. But I'm also like, don't you come around me with your, but all lives matter. No, not right now. Everyone is important on this earth, no matter what faith you believe in or if you don't have a faith. But there's a very important reason why saying Black Lives Matter and acting on it in the best intentioned way you can right now is so very important. And Amanda actually has a couple of analogies about that that I think might help explain it. Yeah, I saw a cartoon a couple of uh, days ago that I think is just a really good um, explanation of this. Um, And I think it's important to remember when people are saying Black Lives Matter, they're not saying that Black Lives Matter more or that Black Lives Matter. um, Just they're not they're they're just by saying that you're not saying that anything else doesn't matter. So I, I saw this cartoon on social media and it was in a, in a neighborhood, you know, people are congregating together, hanging out, talking, and one of the homes catches on fire. So of course the fire department shows up um, to put out the fire. And as they're going to, to the house that was on fire, several of the other homeowners are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. But what about our houses? Our house, all these houses are important. Everybody's home's important. So you need to pay us attention too. Like where's the water for our house. And, but the person whose house is on fire saying, I'm not saying my house is more important, but I'm just saying right now, my house is the one on fire. Please. It's an emergency. It's an emergency. It's an emergency situation. And I just think that is such a beautiful imagery, not that that's beautiful, but it's the perfect imagery to help you understand that yes, all lives matter. But the reason right now the focus is on black lives matter is because that that's the home that's on fire right now. That is the home that needs help. That is the phone, the home that we should all be rallying around to save it and to do what we possibly can, whether you're the firefighter who's got the water and who can put it out, whether you're the neighbor that is hugging on the person whose house is on fire because you know they're devastated, whatever it is, we all need to do our part to help that house that is on fire. And it is, it's on fire right now. And just to continue on with that, um, and we are, we want to list out some resources that we found. We're going to have a nice long list of stuff in the show notes um, to, to help you decide what meaningful action might work best for you. And there's so many things that you can do. But I, I want to emphasize that we're doing this because we want to and we need to, I believe, and also because I do not believe that asking your African-American family members, friends, colleagues at work, strangers on the street, social media people that you may not know, but you follow each other. Now is not the time to go, oh, hey, um, I've heard that racism is really bad. What can we do to help? Come on, y'all. You know, we all know that there are things that we can do. And if you just don't know the first darn thing, start with our list. You know, I just think that with everything being heaped on African-Americans right now, the last thing they need is um, someone who is white to come up and ask them how to fix it. Right. It's just a strange and stressful thing to do. 
Well, and you know, I, I like my analogies and my imagery and things to wrap, wrap, to help myself and other folks wrap their head around it. Um, a good example of this would be if you've decided that what you're going to do is help make a change when it comes to sexual assaults. And so you're thinking, oh, who do I talk to about this? There is no way you would go to the victims of sexual assault and be like, hey, what can I have done to help prevent that from happening to you? Also, what could you be doing to help yeah, stop what could you this? Be doing? And you, it was surely your fault, right? You were asking for it. You were wearing the wrong. Oh, wait a minute, Amanda. That happens that. too. Yeah. Oh, and, but it shouldn't be happening. And most people, if you say oh, that happens, oh, how could that happen? It shouldn't be, you know? So I think that's a good example of we're, we're smart people. There are resources that abound. The internet is a great, I mean, there's some crazy stuff on the internet. Don't get me wrong, but there are great people that are smarter than me that have written articles, that have written books, that have recorded podcasts, that have even better information than what we're sharing here today. Um, but I just think we need to look at ourselves. And I also think we need to be willing to have those conversations. Um, I will tell you, if five years ago, if this had been going on and I had a pod podcast platform, I don't know that I would have been brave enough to get on and talk about this, mostly because of my own insecurities of being worried about, well, I'm, I'm a white woman. What do I know about this? I'm afraid I'm going to say something that's going to either come across wrong or be wrong. And I'm really worried about what other people think. And I just realized I need to get over that. Oh yes. And I need to communicate. And if I do say something that is, that could be better, then I need people to tell me, hey, here's a better way to say this, or here's maybe another way to think about this. And so, but we want to encourage our listeners, you know, if you've got other resources or if you've got thoughts about the stuff we're sharing, feel free to email us at fundraisingheyday at gmail.com. And a reminder that our name, Heyday, is H-A-Y-D-A-Y. Um, so, but we just, Kimberly and I felt very strongly that this was oh, yeah. an issue that we had resources to share and we wanted to share them. And I would also like to just add something because you know, I always got something to add. I want to add, if you're listening to this and you're white and American and it's making you feel uncomfortable, you know, and making you feel a little uncomfortable and kind of embarrassed or ashamed, that's all right. That's all right. That's okay. We can just sit with our feelings, but let's don't, as the kids used to say, get all up in our feelings. So since I, have, of course, have now said all up in your feelings, it is never will ever be cool again. Just strike that from your vocabulary. It's gone. The trend is over. But I'm just saying it's, it's okay to feel, oh, what do you mean? I'm not a good person. It's not about whether or not you're a good person. It's about whether or not you are silent and thus complicit or whether you take positive action in a meaningful way that makes sense for you. That's what it's about. So mm -hmm. feel your feelings, but it's not about your feelings. Yep. It's about recognizing and starting change where you are, right? And also because we are white, we've not had to have these conversations that I'm imagining, and it is strictly imagining, that most African-American families have with their kids probably every day. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because yeah. we never had to. And so now we're like, oh, this is ooky. Well, yeah. So let's just sit down and work through it and figure it out. And let's, you know, make some of those changes. So Amanda has some yeah. things you can do. Well, and I was just going to say too, I, a friend of ours, Kimberly, I think I believe I told you about, she had posted something online about 
African-American mothers have to pray differently over their children. Yeah. And it just hit me. I'm like, cause as a mom, you worry about your kids whenever they walk out of the door, you worry about their safety, their health, their happiness, their everything. Right. And it's already scary enough a burden as a mom, but to also have that extra layer of worries that comes with what it comes with from being African-American in this country. It just, it, it just breaks my heart really. So yes, if we can find some ways to help educate everybody, we're happy to do that. So um, we're going to share some, some resources, some people, some projects, some things. And I just want to point out too, that we are going to, include all these in our show notes, like Kimberly said. Several things we made reference, just, hey, there's a great list with lots of resources. Just know you can go to our show notes, click of a button, you can find that list because you don't want to sit us, you don't want to listen to us sit and read the titles of like 30 books, but because there's lots of things out there, right? Um, And again, if you've got things that should be added to our list, shoot us an email at fundraisingheyday at gmail.com. I mean, I know our voices are so lovely. Everybody just listens. We could read the phone book, right? Oh, Lord. Wow. I don't even think phone books <laughs> exist anymore, but Amanda, Amanda, we got to get back and do the important work. Yes, so let's get on do. it. Um, so first of all, I would say, um, as we're recording this, it is election day for primaries in the state of Georgia. And mm. so I'm proudly wearing my I voted sticker today. That is one of the biggest ways you can go and affect change is at the polling place. Um, and so do your research. Vote for those who are going to help make a difference in the way things should be. And if you don't see the types of candidates you're looking for, start planning for next election cycle. And can I put in a plug because hashtag old people voting, I voted with an absentee ballot and I, because I'm a planner girl in many portions of my life, I was able to plan ahead and get that sucker in the mail and drop it in. But um, there's also early voting and in Georgia, for many reasons, election people, I'm talking to you, um, there are some real bad things going on at the polls in terms of machines not working and lines that's taking a long time. So know that. And also know that throughout history, it has been very difficult for African-Americans to even vote or even be counted as a full person um, in census and other kinds of things. And it was hard. Women had to struggle to get the vote. And so plan ahead if you've got primaries coming up in your states and you think there's going to be people trying to get in the way of getting your vote on. There's some ways that you can do that. And please, for the November election, plan way ahead. Just yeah. Do what you got to do to get mm-hmm. early voting or get something in. So, cause we, we want your vote to count. Yeah. And I would say too, it's definitely the elections in November are important, but also know that it's not just the presidential election that matters. Your oh, yes. local elections, your state, your city, your county, those are the people that are making decisions that probably more likely affect your day-to-day lives um, than anybody else. And so just pay attention to those just as much. And uh, that's the the local government guru geek in me just wants you to say knowing who your mayor is and voting accordingly is just as important. So. Oh, and your school boards, too. They're influencing yes. what your kids learn about history. And shock, shock and, and surprise here. What I learned in history, what didn't really reflect the full experience of black history in the United States. Shockaroony. So I'm just saying. Mm. Okay, so we've got some other resources for you. Um, mm-hmm. The next two I'm going to share are from an article by Corrine Shattuck. It was published on Medium, 
which is an online platform. And these articles were originally published in 2017, but it's been regularly updated since then. Um, and what it is, is it's a very long laundry list of things that white people can do. Oh, it's, to help it's 75 them. things white people can do. Yes, there's a lot of them. Don't so, say we didn't give you some variety here. <laughs> we'll give you a link to that. I'm just going to point out two. Um, the first one is um, you should Google whether or not your local police department or a sheriff's office currently outfits all on-duty police officers with body-worn cameras and that they require that those cameras be turned on immediately when they respond to a call, okay? If they don't, if they don't have that policy or they don't have the equipment, you might want to write to your local government representative or your police chief or your sheriff and advocate for that. Um, for those people listening that are in the grant or fundraising field, you may want to consider donating of your time and talent to your local police department. Help them find those grants, help them write them, do fundraising, whatever it takes to get this much needed equipment. Um, and it really doesn't matter. The... Um, makeup of your community, um, whether you're a small rural community, a larger metropolitan area, this needs to be the standard in policing across the country, okay? Um, you should also, the second tip here I'm going to share is Google whether or not your city currently employs evidence-based police de-escalation trainings, okay? And again, it doesn't matter the, the size, the shape, the makeup of your town. This is something that should be a standard. And as a grant writer, here's another opportunity to volunteer your skills in a meaningful way to make a difference. Okay. And I'd love to point out, I'm not saying this because I think police departments across the country that every police officer is corrupt and bad and doing bad things. I personally have worked with some very lovely, dedicated first responders who are in it because they want to help their community and make it better. There are some amazing people out there. But there's also clearly evidence by what's been going on the past few months. There's some police officers that are not staying following the way things should be. And so having these policies, having these trainings, having these cameras helps hold everybody accountable. So necessary things, I'd say, Kimberly. So I come at this from a little bit different viewpoint. I am um, compelled to support people who are protesting or taking other actions to support protesters in favor of really rethinking how we, the setup and the funding of um, police departments. I am not saying there should never be public safety at all. I'm just thinking we, sh we should rethink it. And so I wanted to um, hold out some examples of people who are in small grassroots organizations, some of them, that are supporting protesters in some way. And um, one that I really want to hold out for a couple of different reasons is the Minnesota Freedom Fund. And um, as of today, they are again accepting donations, but they exemplify the kind of nonprofit aid that really steps away from um, what Vule, who was a guest on episodes one and two of season two of our podcast, by the way, what Vule calls the Hunger Games mentality in grant seeking or fundraising. They were um, overwhelmed in the best possible way with so many donations that right around June the 2nd or so, they posted on social media and on their websites, hey, we're taking a pause here to figure out how to administer these things. Because remember, these are, these are grassroots organizations. And we ask that you donate to 
other organizations that are also doing work on the front lines. And I just think that that is an incredible, in the midst of everything going on, especially in Minnesota, certainly in Atlanta, um, lots of things um, going on, horrible scenes, horrible anguish and pain and people coming together, um, trying to make these positive changes. In the middle of all of that, to stop what you are doing and to think of other nonprofit organizations around that could also benefit, but maybe weren't getting uh, national media attention, but were also doing good work. So I just wanted to hold up some of the organizations that they too held up on their um, on their homepage and in social media. And if this is something that you feel compelled or drawn to do, you can donate. You could volunteer, but um, I want to hold out some of these organizations. It's the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, um, Black Visions Collective, Campaign Zero, Color of Change, The Marshall Project, and of course, Black Lives Matter. Um, you could also consider donating to your local bail fund. That's what I did. Uh, that's what I chose to do. You don't have to do like me, but I'm just giving options if you to, to, if you want to reach out and donate immediately. And there's a national directory of bail funds that we'll also include in our show notes. Yep. And, and volunteering and donating is a great way to support those organizations that are feeding your passions. Absolutely. So um, I think another thing that we can do, and this is something I feel very strongly about and personally I'm trying to do in my own home, but it's raising the next generation of people who are going to stand up for what's right. Um, and I will tell you, I, I've got two kids um, and it's, it really can be hard to have those conversations with your kids about racism. Um, but it's, they're, necessary conversations to have. Um, and so uh, when all this was breaking out, um, I guess it's been about a week or two ago, um, I was driving my kids um, somewhere. We were going to be in the car for a couple hours. And I thought that's the perfect opportunity to have their undivided attention and explain what's going on. So oh, I driving, through, driving conversations are really, are really good. That's it yeah. really is because, yeah, you know, they, they, they can't walk away and they, they can't turn on the but TV. But you know, you're also <laughs> not looking directly at each other usually. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some of, with my stepdaughter, some of the deepest things that we talked about occurred when when I was driving or somewhere. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yep. So as I was explaining to them what was going on, and I'll, I'll be honest, I was I fully expected, especially my youngest, she's ten years old, not to really have any idea of what was going on because we don't have the news on at our house very much because it's mostly depressing and I just don't want to watch it. And I know she's not, you know, online reading the Atlanta journal constitution. Cause again, she's 10. Um, but I was surprised that when I started mentioning some of these names like George Floyd and she was like, Oh, I know who that is. I heard what happened. And I was like, what, what do you mean? You, where are you hearing this? Cause you know, it's summer, you're not in school. How are you learning about this? And she's like, mom, I'm on TikTok." Mm-hmm. And I know that social media, but of course, when I think TikTok, I think it's just dancing videos because that's what she uses it for. But the reality is she's she's following different people and people are speaking out about this. And so if you if you think your kids aren't hearing it from somewhere, you're wrong. They are. They're hearing it from somewhere. And so they, they need to know where your stance is. Um, and so but I went through and explained and trying to uh, explain racism. And it's just something my daughter could not really wrap her head around. But she was she just kept saying, but mom, why? 
why would you hate someone just because of the color of their skin? Because you were taught to, because you were taught to, even if it's not by your parents, I know I'm breaking in. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Even if it's not by your parents or your grandparents, you're taught to by the things that you see on social media or the things you stream. Or when I was growing up, the things you saw and the things you didn't see on television or you didn't see in the movies um, or the schools that you went to. It's, it's, you just can't, make it through this society um, as a white person and say, oh, I don't see color or, oh, um, everything is fine. It's because you haven't had to deal with it. But there's a lot of socialization that goes on in our culture um, that we need to change. And I just, Amanda, I think it's great that you are just having these conversations. Well, and it's just, uh, it just, I love seeing their little hearts um, because, you know, we, my family, we've lived in our house for years. My husband and I moved here before our children were even born. And we have a family that's lived next to us pretty much the whole time we've been here, an African-American family. And they have a daughter that's a year younger than my daughter. And they have been playing together since, you know, they were knee high to a grasshopper. As we oh, like to girl. Say. <laughs> yes. Long that, was little, time. that was a little matlock there. You went a little <laughs> matlock on it. Okay. But, you know, she, you know, she was like, but mom, I, I love my friend. And how would somebody just not like her just because? And I, right. I'm like, that's, I said, that is the very definition of racism. You just, that's, it's taught and it's there, there is no sense to it ultimately. So, uh, but I think it's important to have these conversations because I hope the next generation does better than we're doing. Well, we're going to try our best to do much, much better. Yes, we are. Um, so we're going to put some links. There are tons of books. Um, oh, yeah. Coretta Scott King has a, a list of like there are award winners. Yes, that are books for children. There are podcasts, and we've got some specific episodes of different podcasts. We'll point you to some different articles um, to especially help you open up conversations with your kids. Um, two that I would personally recommend. Um, the first is, and this is probably more for elementary, maybe middle school kids is a book called The Watsons Go to Birmingham, which is by Christopher Paul Curtis. Um, It's a work of fiction, but it talks about, um, I believe in the 60s, um, it's an African-American family that lives, um, I was think in Michigan, it's been a few months since we read the book, but um, they travel to Birmingham to go visit um, mom's mother, to visit grandma. And while they're there, um, there is a church bombing and several African, at an African-American church and several little girls died. And so as we're reading it, my daughter was saying, she's like, oh my gosh, mom, that's so sad. And I said, well, you know, even though this is a work of fiction, I said, this is based on a true account. This really happened. She's like, what do you mean? And I said, yeah. So we went online and we looked it up. She wanted to know the names of every girl. She wanted to know their ages. She wanted to know, you know, why it happened. And so it was a great conversation starter from a book that she was enjoying a book reading mm-hmm. to hey, bad things happen in the real world, and here's an example of it, and here's the real-life story of that. Um, and, and so it was a great way to open up some conversations about race and hatred and why God loved all the little children, right? So it's it was a great conversation starter. So I'd highly recommend that. And there's even a movie. We haven't watched it yet. We have it. It's in our planned watching in the future. Um, so I, I can't tell you that the movie was exactly like the book, but I'm guessing they're probably pretty similar. 
Um, another one I would recommend for your older teens or even as adults, Kimberly and I both read The Hate You Give. Oh, yeah. We, we did it in our book club, right? It's, a, it's an excellent book club book. It is. And again, if you're like, oh, reading, you know, nonfiction books aren't my jam. Well, here's a perfect example of a fiction that imitates life. And it's a a very compelling story, but you learn a lot, um, obviously, from the viewpoint of the author. But um, it's a great conversation starter, too. So those are two books I'd highly recommend if you're looking for a way to have those conversations with your children. You could read these books together and start talking about it and it'll It'll bleed into other things. And we'll also, um, we'll post the link um, to this mysterious, uber popular Google Doc about anti-racism resources for white people. I am so sorry, I cannot find the original source for this. But it's this magnificent Google Doc that is updated um, a lot. And so that'll also be on there for you to look at. And that has tons and tons of um, book, book, resource, book resources, rather, podcasts and other things, other ways to, to educate. And also, if you have never heard of Rosewood or what happened in Oklahoma City, um, and, and it wasn't the bombings, it was something else, I would urge you to, as an adult, if these terms are not familiar with to you, to educate yourself and find out these things um, and why it's so important to really understand true the true history of um, what's going on and what has led us from 1619 when the first slave ship hit the shores here to where we are today and how it's just been hundreds and hundreds of years coming. Um, and rightfully so. So we've, we've spent a lot of time today talking about some more, you know, sort of short-term kind of in the moment, immediate responses of things to think about and talk about and do. Um, but I wanted to share something longer term that I'm doing is to seek out Black-owned businesses for things that I buy anyway. Um, and in peak middle-aged white lady fashion, those would be books and candles and sometimes clothes. That's kind of where <laughs> I'm not, I'm just, I'm saying that's what it is. If I've got, if I've got that's extra right income, that. it's going to go to things like that. But um, seriously though, um, particularly, particularly if they're black women owned businesses, just because I just, that's where I feel like I really want to give um, all kinds of extra support and love and um, not just something to do for today, not just following somebody on social media, but you know, if they have a business and their business is selling something that you like, then why not shop there? So um, buzzfeed.com. And yes, I do spend a lot of time on there taking quizzes and you can judge me all you like, but <laughs> I don't even care. They um, had several articles there with links to um, black owned businesses um, from clothing to cosmetics. Um, there, there's a couple, there's a couple of lines of makeup that were really interesting that I wanted to explore there um, to offerings on Etsy. And of course, bookstores and lithub.com, a fine, fine source for all sorts of literary bookish articles and, and recommendations and reviews that I love so much. They also recently published a listing by state of black owned independent bookstores across the country. So if you're going to buy books, why not buy them there? Why not? Why not? It's, you know, there's, they're just decades and well, that's not decades, it's hundreds of years of 
economic oppression, as systemic racism. And one of the ways to start moving forward with that as a white person is, you know what, seeking out Black-owned businesses, seeking out other people, businesses led by people of color. There's um, nothing wrong with changing it. And yes, if you're saying all small businesses matter, okay. But I want to tell you that, again, if that house is on fire and you want the water and the resources and the firefighters to go to that house, and in our economic situation, people of color in particular are suffering more. They're suffering more from COVID-19. They're suffering more from economics due to all sorts of inequalities in our country. And I just think, you know what? Show a little retail love. Why not? Yep. I like it. Um, I'd like to end today with a few words from a friend of Kimberly and I. Um, her name is Jan Hedrick Rice, and she has a blog that is joysassgrace.org. Jan is a fellow grant professional who recently retired from the field, and she is just a lovely writer of, you know, whether it's grants or blog posts or whatever it is she's working on. Um, in her most recent post, um, basically was talking about dealing with COVID um, and then some other things that were going on in her life. And then she talks about, and then George Floyd died and all of this happened. So I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs at the very end of it. Cause I just think it's, it just resonated with me. And because she, you got her permission too, and she's a wonderful writer. She's, she's a great fiction writer too. And I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that she is our friend. Exactly. So thanks Jan. Let me read her words. Yep. I'm tired. Tired of being silenced, correction, of letting myself be silenced. How can I write about issues that matter if I'm always worried that, oh, no, wait, I might upset someone I've cared for about for eons? When I silence myself, I remain unheard. When I feel unheard, it can lead to rage. To that extent, I can understand the rioters' feelings of rage, which is in a roundabout way leads me back to color, specifically black. No, I'm not black, and yes, that makes me privileged. I have friends of color, and I ask them to cuff me on the side of the head when I say things that are insensitive or off the mark in this regard. Lucky for me, they're patient, and I have a strong head. They've taken time to explain that I'm not privileged because my life is perfect, but because my life isn't valued differently because of my skin tone. They've helped me understand that the phrase, I don't see color, is not a compliment. If I don't see color, then I don't have to acknowledge racial disparities. Oh, yes. I don't see color, then I don't have to try to understand sy systemic racism. So I, I love her words. And, and they're true. And yeah. we, we really do want to hear from you, um, especially, you know, if you're a person of color listening to what we've said and you would like to add some things, please don't cuff me on the head. I don't know why Jan is into that. You're going to have to ask her, <laughs> but, um, but we're here to learn and we're here to, 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 to speak, to advocate and to learn because that is what life should be, in my opinion, is always learning and growing and trying our very hardest to work toward positive change. And that's really the only way it's going to happen is as white people, we begin to, all of us, do the things that need to be done to make this world a, a fair and beautiful place. Beautiful closing words, my friend. So thank you guys for listening and for bearing with us as we 
have what is a tough conversation, but I think it's such a necessary conversation. So I hope you're having them all around yourselves as well. 